Mike Marjama recently joined the Office of Health Promotion to talk about his journey to wellness with nutrition, exercise, and disordered eating. Here are his reflections. This outcome, and if I do, that will solve my problems. Can anyone maybe relate to something like that? You know what one I still struggle with to this day? Money. If I can get this car, then I'll be happy. If I can get to be this weight, then I will be happy. If I get this house, then I'll be happy. And it was always chasing something. And for me, it was that perfect body. And then we fast forward and I got into wrestling. I learned how to cut weight. By the time I got to my junior year of high school, I had been on and off of an eating disorder for about five years. Um, started off with working out a ton and not eating anything. Because if I don't eat anything, I won't get fat. And if I just work out a ton, I get big and strong. And that's what I thought. But I didn't realize that your body needs fuel. Food is fuel and it helps your body perform and it helps your body manage the stresses that you put it through. So I started to wither away. The one thing that I will notice is when I got to my junior year of high school, I'd lost a significant amount of weight in the matter of just about two days. And I got put on a stretcher right out of my therapist's office. And uh, I got rolled into the emergency room of the hospital. I spent one night there and got taken to an intensive care unit. And in this unit had people that had tried to commit suicide, overdose. Uh, pretty much you were a threat to yourself and or others. And there were no doors in this entire building. You wanted to use the restroom, there was no door. It was completely, completely open. And I remember thinking like, why am I here? I just want a six pack. I'm not trying to kill myself. Like that, I, I don't want anything. Like I just want to be popular. I just want to be liked. Until one of the therapists came to me and said, hey, this is your heart rate. Your heart rate's in the 30s. Your heart might stop. No, 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 no. There's no way because look, like I'm healthy. I didn't realize that many people that we thought that had looked healthy had multiple organ failure happening. At that time, they looked completely healthy. And so these things started shifting in my mind and going, you know what, maybe I am not at that point. Maybe I'm not, a, what are some of the things that I have false pretenses about? And so I started talking to people. Many times I got put, well, when you go through a, a therapy program, you get put with a multidisciplinary team, a dietitian, maybe someone that uh, you could put with a therapist, you might get put with an intensive care person. When you go into this, you have a whole team of people around you and every single one of them echoed the same thing. And not one of them matched that false voice in my head that I wasn't good enough. They said, you know what, Mike, we can't wait till you find that voice that's inside of you that doesn't hate yourself, that is actually here to promote that good being of who you are. And if we fast forward to now, I can say I finally somewhat found it. I would say I'm not all the way there yet, but I would say I'm pretty dang close because I pretty much, I like myself for who I am. And so for me, I still battle with the same things. Even after going through treatment, I still notice I battled the same exact things that was a place because life has changed. For how many of you, and you don't have to answer this or, you know, put it in the chat box. For how many of you, your life has changed in the last few months? maybe caused you to be a little bit uncomfortable in certain circumstances, maybe caused you to feel like you weren't there with everybody else. You were like, you know what? I feel alone. You know where we struggle so many times? 
is when we feel like we're alone. We feel like we have nobody we can talk to. We have nobody we can relate to. And I know I've felt that way. There have been times it's like, I just want to go see, I, I need to go see something. I need to go see somebody. And many times I ask somebody, hey, what would you do? And they go, well, you know what? You should really try meditating and calming things down. When I close my eyes and try to calm things down, you know what happens? Everything speeds right back up. Best thing for me, I go for a walk. Any of anybody here? Okay. This is one of my favorite things for how many of you. And all I want you to say is, is you can just say yes or no. You can meet yourself or whatever. How many of you feel like right now your life is moving really, really fast. It could be life. It could be, um, the things that are happening around you. Do you feel like the world is moving incredibly fast or things are incredibly loud? You feel like it's really hard to slow things down in your life. And I'll be the first person. That's me. So I'll throw it in the chat there. I'll just put yes, because that's, that's me. And if you feel like things are moving fast, it could be a yes or a no, but you feel like things are just, they're moving. I love seeing these. I love seeing these. Awesome. Thank you guys for answering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. Great. You know, what's amazing. I, I just, I'm, I'm watching this and going, look at all these yeses. Look at definitely look at, I mean, exclamation points with them. We look and we see that things around us feel like they're moving so incredibly fast. And I know I feel that at times. Well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this, what if, and we start coming up with fear. So if I take you back to young Mike, what was young Mike's fear? Young Mike's fear is that he wasn't going to be liked. He was never going to have a body. He was never going to have a girlfriend. He was never going to have this. He was never going to have that. Well, what if I don't have this? What if I don't have this? Sound like something that happens in your life right now? We start feeling these things speed up. And then all of a sudden it's like, I just can't, I just want, I. So here's an exercise I do with everybody. Cause I think it's one of the favorite, my favorite things to do. I learned this when I play baseball. Uh, Nelson Cruz is a guy uh, from the Dominican Republic. Who's a very good friend that plays for the Minnesota twins. Now uh, he was with me in Seattle. And if you know anything about baseball, when the bases are loaded, right? The pitcher is under extreme stress, right? Because they have nowhere they can put you. Like if, if you get on base or something happens, run scores. So in the time, this time, the pitcher should be the most um, stressed out is when the bases are loaded. Well, Nelson Cruz is an incredible hitter, one of the best hitters in the game of baseball. And when the bases were loaded, his batting average was about 050. Which, I mean, he never got a hit. He was never successful in that circumstance. And one day, our, one of our sports psychologists who's our team said, hey, um, Nelson, let me run this past you. When the bases are loaded and things are speeding up, you're not doing too well. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to drag your feet from the on-deck circle, from the dugout, as you're walking to home plate, you're literally going to drag your feet like you're, like you're uh, cross-country skiing. So you're going to have these drag marks of your feet across the lawn, you know? And he's like, what? You're going to drag my feet? No, I'm just going to walk, dude. And he goes, nope, you're going to drag your feet. We have a guess why? It slowed him down. 
So the next time you walk into a room and you feel like I am so angry, I got to go give a presentation in class. And I know you guys are virtual right now, but if, when you go back into class, I do this, this, okay, guilty shame. I did this going in on a date. I literally was so nervous because I was going on this date that I drug my feet through the restaurant. It, um, it works. Let me tell you, it works. So what I'll say is he did it and it slowed down. When he started dragging his feet, his batting average went all the way up to 315. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the level of product? Now, okay, I know you guys don't. The level of production that is, is in, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible of how he was able to turn that around, turn this circumstance around. So what I'll say to you guys is when life feels like it is speeding up, how do we slow it down? Maybe it's dragging your feet. Another thing, uh, we have those thoughts going through our head, right? What if, what if, why didn't I do it? Why did, uh, okay, if my body doesn't look like this, I never, okay. Can you take a deep breath? Okay, so I'll do it with you guys just because I, I like doing things. I think it's, it, this is my production. This is how I, I perform. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We'll do a box break. We'll, we'll in through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay, so we're gonna go in. Okay, you ready? So long and slow, ready? Breathe in. Hold it. And then breathe out. All right, now this time, here's what I want you to do. Actually do it. Actually really get into this one, but here's what I want you to do. Think about something that you're speeding up, speeding up about right now. Maybe it's something going on with your family. Maybe it's something going on with you personally. Maybe it's something that's going on with school. Maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's somebody that's in your life is, is maybe a friendship. So I want you to think about something that you've really been speeding up about. Okay. And let's put that in our mind right now. All right. So feel what that emotion is like. And it's probably not the most comfortable position to be in. I can, I can definitely appreciate that. But now what I want you to do is take a deep breath. Breathe in. Nice and slow. Hold it. Breathe out. All right, one more time. And this time I want you to think about all your senses. Maybe rub your fingertips together. What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you smell? And take another deep breath. All right, and let me ask you this. Did that same overwhelming feeling of what was happening that you were thinking about that was maybe speeding you up was that still able to speed you up after you were able to take that deep breath or two or three? That's just one simple trick that I do is when things speed up, how can I bring myself back to making that choice of who Mike is? I don't want to be the guy that speeds up, that gets overwhelmed by his emotions and things that are happening and what people might think of me. How can I bring that back to that center focus of Mike and how he can be that best version of himself? And so the things that I thought were my, my flaws, right? Um, I'm a perfectionist, okay? Everyone says that on their job application. Well, what's your biggest flaw? I'm a perfectionist. Uh, okay. Well, what about this one? I'm manipulative. I don't know if anyone else wants to admit they can relate to that. I'm very manipulative. I'm a control freak. Control freak. If something doesn't go back in its right place, uh-oh, watch out. 
But you know what? All of these things that I thought were negatives about me were actually very big positives. Can you imagine this? If you're a perfectionist, is that a bad thing? Or are you just very detail-oriented? If you're manipulative, how many people... Okay, let me tell you this. If you're manipulative, you can't be dumb. You can't. Because if you're manipulative, you're actually thinking about things that are going to happen before they actually happen, which means you're planning ahead. You can't be dumb and be manipulative. It don't work. It just doesn't work. And then and let's even top this off. If I'm a control freak or I'm really OCD about things, like I like to have structure. That's a, that's a blessing. So, okay, we've all seen Frozen, right? The show, the, the movie Frozen. We've all seen Frozen, right? Anybody not seen Frozen? I guess we haven't seen Frozen. All right, so if you haven't seen Frozen, all right, okay, but if you've seen it, we'll just go with this, or we can go with superheroes, okay? Queen Elsa in Frozen, okay, she has what, she can freeze the whole entire world with her hands, right? Like, like her set of skills is so bad that she can literally freeze everything. Her traits are not good. We can probably all admit that. But if I flip this around and say, you're right, but it's not like her traits, Queen Elsa just magically went away and then she was someone different. No, because the person that held those same traits was the people, what she did, she literally put greatness back into the world. She was able to fix everything. She actually is now amazing. So the same things that we viewed as being bad, maybe the things that we view as our traits being bad, aren't necessarily bad. Sometimes they can actually be used for good. So I challenge you is think of your... Um, Think of your inner superhero. You can be the villain or you can be the superhero. And those traits that you have, everything that you need to be successful is already in you. I can promise you that. You don't need somebody to come along and give you the red or the blue pill and say, you know what? Here's the magic sauce. There's no such thing. I can promise you that. There is no magic pill. There is no magic formula. that will get you the perfect body. We'll get you the perfect car. We'll get you the perfect... There's, there's no such thing. Everything that you need to be successful is just inside of you. And you are armed with this tool belt. I use my imaginary tool belt and I just put it on. And I have this great tool belt of coping skills that I learned through treatment with a team of support, through a therapist, through a nutritionist, through my whole entire team, through coaches, through friends. I had a friend give me such good advice one time that I literally just right in my pocket. I was like, yep, imaginary tool belt. There it is. That's going in because when something speeds up, yeah, I'm pulling that bad boy out. So we have these things all around us, guys. And you really, you don't need anything else. You don't need somebody to come give you the magic pill, the magic formula. You have it right inside of you guys. And that's why health is so individual. Because the same things that work for me are not going to work for you. They, they might. But I can tell you one thing, if we have a conversation, and this is where I really want to open it up to you guys, if you have any questions for me, shoot them to me. Like, please just let me know, throw them in the chat. You can unmute yourself. We can have a conversation. But like, this is where I see is we learn from each other. You know what? I'm dealing with this. Have you ever dealt with something like that? No, I haven't. I dealt with something similar, but here's how it's kind of helped me. And then you learn together and you grow. And maybe someone goes and you're going, ding, and you're like, yep, tool belt. That's what I really want to do. And I want to provide for you guys is these actionable steps. And so for me now, I journal. You guys can say it sucks. It doesn't suck. Journaling is awesome. 
because it puts me into the position of where I was. Because sometimes things, most of the time, things aren't as bad as I think they are, and they're not as good as I think they are. They're probably somewhere in the middle. And so I really look at it and go, you know what? Yep, that's my spot. You know, actually, there was a study done on gratitude, another good one. When you're journaling, write down some gratitudes, things that you're very thankful for, right? How can you write down something you're thankful for and be like pissed off about it? I really hate that my mom loves me. You know, you just can't do it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. So if you're really, if you're truly grateful for something and trust me at the very beginning, I was like, screw you, screw you, screw you. Like I didn't want, you know, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. I don't want anything. I hate you all. My therapist comes down to me and goes, Mike, are you just like, you have some night, those are really cool vans or converses. And I'm like, yeah, they're sweet, huh? And she goes, are you grateful? I'm like, heck yeah, those things are sweet. She goes, okay, you can be grateful for your chucks. Ah, okay. Are you grateful that right now it's sunny outside? Yeah. Heck yeah. So it doesn't have to be like, I am grateful because I have this. No, it doesn't have to be just start. If you can't find anything to be grateful about, the fact that you are connected right now and being with other people, right? This is amazing to me. How many times do we get to connect with other people? This is a blessing. And so I am grateful. That's one of my things. How much positive energy do I feel from that? The study actually said that gratitude has a higher energy rating levels in the brain than love. Like what? You're like gratitude? Yes, being grateful. Being grateful can, can literally provide positive energy into your life. So I encourage you when you go to that journaling, journaling, put down gratitudes, even if it's just one. That's an actionable step. I don't, you don't need a list of a page of like, go for pages. No, just put one or two. And every morning or every day when you get up in that journalist, put down, hey, you know, what? I'm really grateful that I'm even writing in those journals today. Another one, another study you should look at. Okay, this is a good one. Oh, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll bring this. No, I'll bring it around. Okay, trauma. For all my people, I've, I've, I've experienced many traumas and I wanted to run through this beginning, but I needed to give you the preface of it. Traumas are not, um, they can be small, small things. Being dumped because you were dated for a lunch period and you had a total negative, stressful situation happen to you, that can be a trauma. It does not have to be, that means you were domestically abused or you were raped. Those, yes, those are traumas. Those are things that happen to everybody. But if you haven't, that doesn't mean that your story is any less than anybody else's. We all are individual. And so when things happen, maybe it's you witnessed a car accident. That can be a trauma. So these, these small things that happen in our life, those imprint on our life. And so whether or not that you believe in recovery or not, I, will leave, I, want, I really wanted to emphasize this. There's a study of epigenetics where you look at the genome, the human genome, if you look at DNA. So DNA doesn't technically change, but if you look at the way that genes are expressed, certain expressions of genes can turn on different things that are happening. Well, if you actually look back at like the Irish potato family, if you look back at during like the Civil War, if you look back during the Holocaust, they actually ran a study where they took prisoners during those times and they put, they ran studies between, uh, this was a research at UCLA, ran a study and said the people that spent the most, they ran three different groups, people that spent the most amount of time in prisons during these times. They also ran one in which there were like moderate amount of time and then took some that didn't. And they ran lineage. So they took 
each of those groups, they took their descendants and said, let's look at life expectancy and traumas of those descendants. The, the, the descendants of the people that spent the most time in prison had the lowest um, uh, life expectancy. The ones that spent the least amount of time had the greatest life expectancy. You look at the way that certain genes are expressed, you look at certain traumas are affected. Let me ask you this, if you're a woman, when you are born, are you born with the, your reproductive eggs that you're gonna have for your lifetime? Or they just magically appear? No, you're born with them, okay? Which means that when you're in your mother's womb, are you technically still attached to your mom? Yes. So if epigenetics does play, just think of this as a factor. The decisions that your mom was making ultimately would then therefore affect not only you, but your children. And if you look at this, the same thing as your mom being in your grandmother's womb, the decisions that your grandmother was making also could have a trickle down to you. So if you really want to have like a sort of gratefulness, as I look at it this way, I want to leave things better than I found it. If there's a shopping cart at the grocery store that's not put back, I put it back. If there's things that are happening that aren't okay, that I know are wrong, I will correct them. And the reason I do this is because I want to leave things better than I found it. And whether or not that that is true, and the studies do go on to show, and there are plenty of studies into epigenetics that show that, they, the, that this does happen through generations. But if you really look at it and say, you know what? If I'm not going to do this for myself, I'm going to do this for the people that I love. I'm going to do this for my kids and their kids and their kids. And I'm going to leave whatever I have with me better than I found it. That gives me a huge source of motivation to be the best version of myself I can be. And I don't know if it motivates you the way it does for me, but those little things that I start diving into, I go, you know what? I can do this and I can create this for these people because I know that I will love them and cherish them the way that I want them to have the same things that I was given, or I want to be able to pass on something better. And I think that's something we can all do. We can all give, right? When, uh, you know, I look at this as, as, as always lending that helping hand and doing that for the people that you love and the choices that you make will affect your family. And I want to really emphasize that because that is probably my biggest motivating factor ever. I have a great relationship with my family. Not everybody does, whether it's the group of friends that you have that are, that are your family, that, that you have you know, chosen to be your, your group of family. Um, you know, it, it could be anybody. But that, we are social creatures and those people that are around you, you know they play a huge part of in your life. And so do it for those people that are around you. I, I you know, that's one of the things that I, I really like to highlight. But with that said, I'm always open for questions. I will go, literally go on and on and on for days and just go off on random tangents because I just, I love sharing. But I also, one thing I do love sharing. Uh, ooh, how would you define recovery? That is a freaking good question. Goodness gracious, that is a good question. Okay. Recovery to me is, and now it's different. Okay, I'll say full recovery is extremely, extremely um, stigmatized in a way because we will go say and say, well, I'm in, I'm, in, um, I'm in recovery. And people are like, great, you don't have any problems anymore. Wrongo, that is not the case. I still, okay, like you guys can relate to this. Okay. 
walking, right? We're just, we're just, we're strolling, we're strolling, walking down the street. And all of a sudden you look and you go, whoop. And there's a storefront right there with all these windows. You guys can't tell me, you look over and go, all right. Uh-huh. Or you go, oh man. <laughs> right. We all do it. We all look at the storefront. You're not alone in that. I can promise you that. So those little things, and do I still sometimes look and go, oh my gosh, yes, I do. But again, I take this back to my, my little tool belt, my invisible tool belt and go, you know what? That is literally cognitive dissonance. That is, that is me telling myself that I am not to where this level of satisfaction is for myself. That is wrong. That is not me. That is not me telling myself that. That is something inside of me saying, no, 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 Mm-mm, I don't like that. You know, I look at like the, the angel and the devil on your shoulders. You're like, eh, eh, I don't like that. And you know, you're like, oh, yeah, right, dog. Like, I'm the, I'm the ish. Like, okay, yeah. So I constantly have that same battle. And yes, when I, what made me want recovery? Because when I was not in recovery, I was miserable. And when I say miserable, I was miserable. And I would tell people, I'd be like, no, man, this is the best I've ever been. I was miserable. I didn't have any, any friends. I didn't have any relationships. I didn't have any fun. I literally skipped out on going to be with Fred, to people that like, would consider me friends. I skipped out on going to Italian food because I was, I was afraid of carbs, right? Like if I went to Italian food, there's pizza, pasta, bread, and I wouldn't go. I literally skipped out on events to be with people, to have fun, to what a normal kid would want to do. And I skipped out on it because I was afraid. And pretty soon I didn't have anybody around me. I looked out and everyone else was going to do this and going to go do that. And I was like, nope, not going. Like our senior grad night, I was our sober grad night was at a, I was at Sunsplash, which is a water park. And I was so scared to go because I'm going to take my shirt off. I'm like, what? Like I, ha- I literally would avoid things because I was scared. I was scared what everyone would think of me. I was scared that no one would, everyone around me would be like, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine my, like no one, when I look back, people are like, I, what are you talking about? I didn't even know who you were. I didn't even care. And you're like, oh my, I was so worried about what other people were thinking. It was like, I was so wrapped up with what, you know, Billy Bob down the street was thinking. That I never even thought about like, I was telling, this wasn't Billy Bob saying things. This was me telling myself these things. This was something inside of me saying, no, 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 you're not good enough. You're this, you're that. It was that devil on the shoulder popping off. And I I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to shut you up. Because I'm tired of it. Like, I'm tired. Like, I'm sick. Some people have gotten to this, and and we've, we've all had it probably at some point in our lives. You get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You get sick and tired of being like, you know what? Like, I just can't do this no more. Like, I am grinding. I am doing the best I can, and I am grinding, and I just, I, I just want to, I just want to catch a break. And you have to almost give yourself permission for that. You have to say, you know what? Like, you're right. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to give myself permission to not feel sick and tired anymore. You have to grant yourself that permission. And so I think that's one of the biggest things of why I wanted recovery is because I was sick and tired of missing events. I was sick and tired of, of not knowing what it was like to have friends. I was sick and tired of not knowing what it was like to actually feel like I had a genuine laugh, that I was always just faking it. And I was never able to be my true authentic self because I was always trying to be someone else. 
I like to be the goofball. I like to be the guy that's completely laid back, that is off the walls, that doesn't make sense half the time because he's just like, I just, because I'm high on life. I just want it to be like, you know what? Like this dude just loves what he's doing. Like he loves being with people. He loves being around it. Well, guess what? The thing that I love doing the most is being around being with people I wasn't doing. And so how did I have to shift? Like, it, it wasn't one of those like, oh, I'm just, you know, like I need to make a shift. No, I was like, yo, I got to make a shift because that's who I want to be. Like, that's, that's my dude. Like, when you think about, like, if you were to think about it and you put yourself in your best friend's shoes and you're like, yo, that's my girl, that's my dude. Like, this is, yeah, okay. Now you look at things differently because you're not talking about yourself. You're talking about your friend. And we're all, we're all hypocrites when it comes to that, right? You're dating somebody. I, I throw this out there all the time. You're dating somebody and you're like, are you kidding me? You don't put up with that, but you put up with it. We literally tell people, yo, you ain't going to put up with that. But then you yourself are putting up with it. And you're like, why? Because it's you, because you tell yourself things that you would never tell someone else. Like, so people are like, are you worried about people talking crap when you play baseball? No. I was never worried about people talking crap because I guarantee you I said worse things to myself than anybody ever said to me. And I, most of you can probably relate to that. You're going to go, yo, I tell myself some dirty things all the time. Like, I don't like, it ain't other people barking at you probably, it's yourself. And when you took and you look and you go, well, yo, okay, I'm, I'm talking bad about myself because I took this situation and this is what I thought happened but it was totally not the case. Like the girl that dated me for a lunch period because she felt bad for me. It's not that she's an evil person. Well, I don't know what I meant. No, it's not because she's an evil person. It's just the fact that she didn't, she was young and she may not have known. She didn't know that that was going to hurt my feelings. And I had to forgive that and say, you know what? Like, oh my gosh, she made a mistake and people make mistakes. And so for me, I had to then go, you know what? It's okay. I can live with that. And then I had to move on. And for me, that's how I started bridging that from moving so fast and blaming to backing down. Um, oh, this is a good one. So we all know male identified individuals do not get help as often as female identified individuals. Uh, do you think, uh, do you think male identified folks need to feel more safe, comfortable getting help for EDs? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, um, yes. So I would say this, uh, men, uh, we don't see it as much and eating disorders are technically not, um, when we start looking at them, they're many a times they're not directly related to the eating disorder is a symptom. Okay. So an eating disorder is the symptom of something going on. We oftentimes we think that the eating disorder is what the problem is. And the eating disorder is not what the problem is. The eating disorder is the symptom that's causing something. Just like if we go through 12 steps, if you look at alcohol, if you look at substance abuse, Okay, so if you look at drugs, drugs and alcohol, you look at any of those, it's not that someone just sits there and goes, yo, I want to do a line of blow because I want to do a line of blow. No, there are girls that do lines of cocaine because they think it suppresses their appetite. Girls smoke cigarettes because they think it suppresses their appetite. It has nothing to do with the fact that they want to do that. It's because the desired outcome would then be they are doing that because of this underlying either trauma issue that is in their life that they are feeling or they um, are trying to mask. And so for me, it's looking back and saying for men, uh, steroid abuse is one of those. 
How many of you go and I, I'm guilty of this. How many of you go to the gym and you go, okay, well, I need this. I need to get this protein powder. I need to get this. I need to get this. I need to have that. I need to have that. And so now you're going down this rabbit hole of, am I doing this because I want health in my life? Or am I doing this because I want to achieve a certain look and body? Right now, sure, there are certain, do we all want to look good and feel? Yes, of course we do. That, that would be, um, it you'd be an idiot to say that that's not the truth. What we need to say is, how is this affecting my health in the short term and the long term? Right? So the things that I'm doing aren't necessarily directly correlated to the things that are happening on a, on a micro level or a macro level. There is that give and take in between. And so that's why when you go to goal setting, you have short-term, long, intermediate, and then long-term goals. So we look through that in a way. So yes, so males that do suffer, many of them, um, you wouldn't directly relate it to say an eating disorder as much as you would say maybe it's through a, a different form. Um, and many men, and but also saying that many men that have struggled or continue to struggle with eating disorders oftentimes do feel a stigma surrounding it that it is a skinny white girl thing which um, is, couldn't be further from the truth. And so we need to, uh, as a community has tried to get away from that um, as, a, as a stigmatized topic. Um, and so I think, you know, we would love to be more encompassing of, of everybody, not just genders, races, religions, everybody. We all have something. Um, and so that's, you know, definitely in there. So yes, males are not identified as much as females. We know those numbers are there. They say 10 million men, you know, 20 million women, uh, completely false because um, you get people all the time reaching out to me saying, hey, I've had this for 20 years. I never told anybody. So uh, those numbers are false. Uh, we don't know what the true numbers are. That's just complete honesty. Um, but we do know that I, I will say this. I am very confident. I'm not for sure, but I'm very confident that everybody in their lifetime has a struggle with body image. And I want to say it's probably everybody. And so uh, typically the, the junior high school, high school time is a very hard time because we start feeling hormones. People start maturing faster than other people. Um, for me, I didn't even hit puberty till I was in college because I delayed. I never, I was so, I was so malnourished. I never hit puberty when I was in high school. So my junior year, I was, yeah, I was tiny. Um, and so we noticed that, you know, some girls tend to mature faster than boys, um, but everybody's at a different time frame. So, you know, what is health? This person's going through puberty at this time. This person has to hit it yet. Um, so it's all individualized, but that time tends to be one of those. Uh, we're becoming more social creatures during that time. We're trying to fit into certain groups um, tends to be the case. So that time within the junior high, high school, and then into college, that's a very hard time for a lot of us because we're trying to navigate those areas of our life, not just physically, but socially as well. So um, those are really big times. And many times men um, are suffering from that. And I work a lot with youth sports. And that's something that we definitely identify in youth sports is, is boys feeling like they want to be more mature uh, because they haven't grown as fast as maybe other boys. Um, do you have any tip? Uh, what do you think they need? Uh, oh, oh, what do men need? Um, so there was, there was a question there, Michael, speaking of sports with, do you have any other tips for slowing down anything specifically for sports performance? Yes. Uh, watch highlight reels. That's another good one to slow yourself down. Watch you doing it. Uh, visualization is a big one for me. So what I like to do, um, I, I met, uh, I think meditation is, uh, I'm not a huge um, stereotypical meditation, like 
uh, not sure the exact term of it, sit down, cross a leg, close your eyes, breathe. Like that to me doesn't really get me in a perspective um, as much as I like to visualize a certain circumstance and I want to see that successful outcome. And so for me, I try to not focus on what could go wrong, but how I want to handle it. So when, it, when I do get put in that situation, I've already been there. So if it were me uh, playing sports, it would be, hey, here's me on deck. I'm close my eyes. I would just visualize, okay, this is me on deck. And sometimes I would actually go and do it. So I'd actually not even close my eyes. I would go stand on the on-deck circle, practice walking to home plate. Here's my routine. Here's how I go about this. And then here comes the, I would visualize, here comes the pitch. Here's my swing. Here's my hit. You know, I'm going to run to first. But it, so I would, I would literally visualize, I, I could, you could act upon it, but you could also visualize that whole set of circumstances. And that goes to anything. That could be having a conversation, that could be doing a talk, that could be, um, I need to confront somebody about something, or I need to talk to somebody about something. Let's walk through how this conversation may go. And if you do it beforehand, then when you get put in that situation, you're like, oh, yo, I'm dialed. Like, I've been here before. That gave me confidence. And what that did is that helped me slow down the interaction because I already knew I was in that space. I had been there before. And we always talk about like deja vu, like, oh, like, oh, oh, deja vu, it just hit me put yourself in deja vu moments where you've been like, yo, I've been here. I'm good. And that will help you slow that circumstance down to be like, oh, I already anticipated this could happen. And we do it in baseball all the time. What is the situation? If the ball, if the ball's hit here, where do I go? If the ball's hit here, where do I go? So when the ball gets hit there, you're like, oh, I know exactly where I need to go. And so those are the things that you can put yourself in place and that will help you slow down. So I think that's a really big one that I've always, I've always tried to run into. Um, talk about what it was like starting to eat again, both physically and emotionally. Um, stressful. Uh, I was so worried about looking at a container, um, see how many calories are in it, how much, you know, sugar, protein, fat, all the, if you look at the macros, if you don't look at proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, um, my whole body was, or my whole like day was consumed around that label. When I think that that isn't entirely the way that I view, I don't view wellness or, or nutrition that way now. So the way I view nutrition now, which isn't, um, some people can, will like it and some people don't, but I like to focus on like micronutrients. So I look at, and the reason I do that is I want to know what does, what do certain things have that is positive, that is beneficial. We all know berries are really good for antioxidants. We really know that like carrots, vitamins. So you go, you could go down the list on what, what different foods have in them. That is great. That's not saying that there are good and bad foods. There are some foods that you're like, well, that a good and bad food. Like it doesn't matter. What does that food provide you? I love Taco Bell. I love the crunchy. They're getting rid of the Mexican pizza, which is a joke. So if anyone knows anybody to talk about, it's getting rid of the Mexican pizza. You know, throwing a word for your boy because that's some BS. <laughs> but if you could, y'all need to like, yeah. So put in a good word for your boy on that one. But what I would say is there's no good and bad food, but what does it provide me in that moment? So there are some days and, and you can, whether you like intuitive eating or not, there's so many different styles. I think this is where there is no one size fits all for everybody on like where you find what, you know, oh, how is it easier to I'll tell you right now that I, I was, I'm huge. I love to eat meat. I love eggs. I love chicken. I love steak. I love bacon. I love the protein side, but I was also in, when the Adkins diet was big, when, when I was young and very impressionable was carbohydrates are the enemy. Anybody raise their hand to keto. 
right? So we know, but keto, now keto was formed for, it was done on a lot of epileptic patients, but it was done to see if they could start diminishing seizures. They're starting playing around if it was good for Alzheimer's. If you have that running in the family, that might be a decent thing for health. Now, if you're using it for weight loss for an image, then we're starting to talk about some differences. So when diets were created, many of them were created to solve certain problems that doctors were trying to figure out a way to help a certain group of people. And then people are like, well, you could be used for this. Let's just throw it over here. So that's where diets have kind of gotten a bad, they've gotten a bad name, but they've been formed on, we have early onset, early onset Alzheimer's in my family. So that is something that many people have addressed. Now, whether or not that that doesn't mean, as long as I'm not using it for this cause, there could be an issue. So that's what I really want. Like when we start talking about your relationship with food, your relationship with food, you, I don't ever want to look at it and go, it's a negative. I want it to say is what is the food providing me? Because if I can't perform, like right now I work, you know, you're working on a team that does over half a billion dollars in real estate. Well, I better be prepared if I meet with a client. I need to know that that when that client comes to me, they're expecting a certain level of cognitive function for me. And if I can't provide that to them because I'm malnourished, I am not, I am not serving my clients to the best of my ability. If it's you doing your schoolwork, if I'm, if I'm either malnourished or if we take this to the binge eating side, if I have, uh, if I, if I go on any level of the spectrum, but it's controlling part of my life, um, you will then say that, that, that is a negative relationship with food. And so for me, it's, it's more about fuel now. That's, why, that's where my relationship with food changed was looking at it as fuel rather than um, as a good or bad thing. I don't know if that made sense, but I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of takes that to that. Um, talk there about are, okay. yeah, there are, um, I've been keeping an eye on both the time and questions. And I do want to be mindful of both and make sure that everybody who has a question. Oh no, let's go for it. So um, there was one question about um, if you found that while recovering from your ED, that that type of thinking manifested in other aspects of your life. And I think you kind of touched on that a little bit, but if you could just expand on that a, a bit, I think that would be helpful. Yeah. So um, when you, when you, um, and I will say this from a positive perspective, right? So uh, we'll take it from the negative perspective first. Having the eating disorder, yes, there were certain things like depression, anxiety were two big things that I ended up, that kind of culminated out of that, right? So, and it all kind of went hand in hand. So yes, that manifest out of the eating disorder was the fact that I didn't feel, uh, I felt neglected. So I didn't hang out with anybody. That was because I was afraid that I would then maybe have to go to a certain circumstance that I didn't want to do something. And so I would avoid it. Well, then when I avoided it, I isolated myself. And if we know anything about depression, it thrives in isolation. And so when we look at the, then it goes to depression, but then I still had the same level of, okay, well now I want to be back into this, this sphere. So my anxiety starts cram, cramming back because I don't want to be here. So it all kind of worked hand in hand. So yes, many things manifested out of this initial eating, eating disorder, but really they all stemmed. They were all, I would say this, they were all symptoms of the underlying thing that I was feeling over here. So I needed to resolve this. And when I started, or not just one thing, but there were probably about six. So when I started resolving these things over on this side, as I started working these out, these things were just like little bubbles that go bloop, bloop, because it was all tied together. So when I started fixing this stuff, 
this stuff would get better because this was the root cause, right? So if we looked at where the tree was, it wasn't because, you know, the tree wasn't dying on in the leaves because the leaves were dying. No, it was because the dog was peeing on the base of the tree, which was causing it to, that's where it was. I know that was a terrible analogy, but down there is where it was. So I had to get down to the roots. I had to get down to the, the base. What was causing all these things to start popping up? And when I got down to that, I was like, oh, I had, when I worked through these, the other things that were manifesting out of it started disappearing too. And, that I'm, and I'll say this in full disclosure. It doesn't mean that I still don't feel these things happening up here. But this is a constant, we are constantly on a work in progress, right? So if I were to say this, with COVID going on, right? Everybody is dealing with COVID, everybody. So how can I make the best of this? And I know that it's going to be easier said than done. It is very, very hard. But how can I come out and say, yes, 2020, it freaking sucked. But this, like I came out of it with this. And if you can come out of this and like win today, the process of it, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. It doesn't have to be the thing that snowballs down. It's like, no, this can be the start of what is to come. And so for me, that's also what I deal. I still deal with things that are happening up here, but I still know that it's not by dealing with a thing at a, at a surface level. It's I need to deal with the me down below where the self-care comes in is not the fact that I need to go get my nails done or I need to go to the, or anything like that. No, it's, I know I need to be fed at the root level and that will, uh, that will take care of all those manifestations up top. Now in a positive way, that's how it reflected as well. When you start taking care of those root things, that's where you get the positive to branch off into other parts of your life. Because I took care of what was going on at the eating disorder level, it allowed me to then have better relationships with friends. I was able to have friends because I wasn't so worried about all the other things happening. So that's where these things can manifest for yourself is if you're feeling certain underlying things that they're great, go to a therapist. They're freaking awesome. They are the best people in the freaking world. You go to them, you can say, to bleed your guts out. And by the way, therapists are kind of like dating. I'll throw this out there. If you go to a therapist and you're like, you know what? I just did not like that person. Could you imagine marrying the first person you ever dated? I mean, okay, for some of you, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it has happened. For me, not even close. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Your therapist, if you don't, they're, they're people too. And sometimes you bond with other people more than you bond with others. And that's not a knock. The therapist should never knock you or guilt you for saying, you know what? I just, I didn't think that, I didn't really get that feeling that that was, then they're going to go, awesome. Okay, well, let's try to find you someone that you really jive with. And so don't, if you're discouraged because you've seen one therapist and you're like, you know what? That's not the person. That's okay. It's not all therapists. You just need to find somebody you jive with. So that's, that's one of my big ones. I co-signed that wholeheartedly as a, as a clinical social worker. Um, and so to kind of dovetail for the final question of the yes. night, ending on that note is um, it's very clear that you're very passionate about mental health. So what was kind of the point where that became a passion of yours? Like, what was it, if you can point to a singular moment that just kind of flipped that switch and made mental health um, the passion for you that it is today, if you could speak to that briefly. Yeah. Um, in, I made my major league debut in 2017. I got to work with LeBron James and the digital media, his digital media company, which was uninterrupted. And we shot a documentary. It goes on Good Morning America. And I get people reaching out to me 
that have, I've been on the doctors, I've been on many, many, many TV shows, but I've had people reaching out to me at that time that were like, who are you? We can't believe that you just told your story. This, like, I've got, my kids are dealing with this. My husband's dealing with this. My wife is dealing with this. I had a gentleman when we shot the documentary that served in the military and said that he used to, he used to get, he used to get really drunk. He would take alcohol into the closet and literally drink himself to sleep in the closet at home with his family there and say, you know what, your story helped me. Now that had nothing to do with an eating disorder. That had nothing to do with anything that I had talked about in my documentary, but what it told me was this, he resonated with something in the story and it inspired him to get help. For me, that's what changed everything. It changed everything because you see that your voice actually matters, right? We have elections upcoming. You, by voting, you have a, you are, it is your obligation, duty, it is your, your privilege to be able to vote not only for yourself, but for the people around you, for the people that you love. It, it's for the country. It's, those are the things that you get to do. And every single day you get a vote for that version of yourself that you want to be. This isn't just something that happens every four years. No, you continually get a vote every single day. And I said, you know what? If I can inspire somebody else because my story or maybe a way that I look at something has inspired somebody to maybe make a change or to get some help of their own, we all, and I'll say this, what, what, really, what really caught my eye was this. Everybody, it's five and five. It's not one in five people with mental health. It's five and five. Everybody, everybody has a mind. Everybody has problems we all have to deal with them some way. And I hope that maybe the way I view things, maybe me sharing a story or me just laughing or spending some time with you would hopefully inspire you that if something goes on, just know that you have somebody you can reach out to here in me. You have the people on this call that are here to help you. You have everybody around you. And you know, the last thing I'll leave you with is everything that you need for either recovery from an eating disorder, any sort of mental health, anything going on in your life, you have everything you need inside of you. And sometimes you just need somebody to help tap in to what's already inside of you. You have it there. You have all the strength you need. And, um, you know, I, I hope you guys can take that with you and just know that everything that you need to be successful, to be healthy, to be thriving is already inside of you. And sometimes we do need a little bit of help to have people tap into that. Um, but you're perfect just the way you are and, and you're not alone. And, you know, we have a, there are so many people willing to help you. So, uh, I'm one of them. I'm a big supporter. I will do anything and everything I can to help support the people um, that ask for it and reach out for it. So I'm always here and uh, would love to be able to connect with you guys. If you ever need anything, let me know. You can shoot me a, go on to, you know, whatever, any of the social media stuff uh, and shoot me a message. You can go to my website. You can go to my, e send me an email, mike at mikemarjama.com. Really easy. Um, and I'm more than happy to answer anything. So I'm an open book.